say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new direction. My name is Jay Izzo, and oh my gosh, do we have a great show for you today? Oh man, this is an outstanding show. You know, I read uh, a book a week uh, for the show. I take notes and and outline the book. I uh, I, I highlight the heck out of a book. And I vet every book before I put it on the show. There are some books that I read where I go, wow, this is so in alignment with who I am that it's like, why didn't I write this book? Because it's like so in alignment. And uh, this is one of those books. Uh, Emily Sander, who's rejoining us uh, again, by the way, uh, she wrote Chief of Staff. Uh, and it would, again, another fabulous book that she wrote. This one is uh, Hacking Executive Leadership. Um, absolutely fantastic. Go from insecure, indecisive, and overloaded to confident, influential, and effective. Who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> I'm, I'm just asking you out there in the audience, who does not want to... Go from insecure, indecisive, and overloaded to confident, influential, and effective. Here's the thing about this book. Uh, it is practical. Uh, it is, uh, I think it's essential uh, for every level of leadership. Um, it is absolutely essential. Uh, but I will tell you something else about this book. Uh, there are 20 plays. She has a playbook in here called The, uh, the Playbook, and she's got these 20 plays. I, I'm telling you, they're fantastic. We'll get into some of them. And and we're going to get into also something that I found really, really fascinating and fun, and that was Swizzle. And you're going to go, what? Wait, what? Swizzle what? Wait, what? Yeah, Swizzle. Yeah, stay tuned, because we're going to talk about some Swizzle. <laughs> uh, but before we get to her, let's do what we do every week, right? And uh, we walk you through the four areas of your life for physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people. By the way, this book uh, really talks about that as leaders. Uh, it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual uh, you want to connect with your team. That's a spiritual thing. Uh, you you want to be emotionally uh, in the right. If you want to be you want to be emotionally uh, intelligent. You want to have your emotional intelligence up. It's, it's part of executive leadership. You want to be mentally and intellectually growing, because as we know, if you're not growing, you're dying. But you always want to be a learner. And by the way, take care of your body because it's the only one you have. And as a leader, if you're not taking care of yourself, and I know. My author friend, Emily Sanders, says self-care may sound weak. Stop it. It's not weak. You need to do it. Okay? So uh, we cover all these. So when the show, what we do is you know, we have we rate you on a self on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, 1 being in these areas. It can't be any worse. 10 being, wow, it can't be any better, right? Uh, so here's what we do. So take the physical area, for example. If you were to rate yourself on exercise, uh, eating right, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, Right on a scale of one to ten, five being average, how would you say doing? Now, don't worry about the number. We don't care about that. That's just a starting place for you, right? So if you're two and you go, I'm a little embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Let's just get to a two point five, right? I mean, Emily says just just do a little. Just a little makes a difference, right? Just do something small, right? Little small habits she talks about, right? Little small increments. Those little small things make a difference over the course of time. So. So don't worry about it. Just let's, if you're two, two point five. If you're seven, congratulations. You're having a great day and a great week. Um, you know, let's get to a seven point two five because it gets a little harder the higher you get up the scale, right? Just gets a little tougher. So let's just try to figure out what we can do there. All right. So that's your first number. Second number is mental intellectual number. We always need to be learning. If you're not learning, 
Um, you're not growing at all. And by the way, learning is something we could do at any age. It doesn't matter whether you're young, whether you're older. We can always be learning. Uh, <clears throat> the wisest people in the world learn, right? Uh, matter of fact, Emily takes a portion of a quote that I, I remember. I don't know exactly who's responsible for it, but it says this. You will be uh, the culmination of the book, or in the next five years, you will be the culmination of the books you read and the people you hang out with, right? And uh, Emily uses part of that quote to talk about, you know, hey, you got to level up, right? Well, I'm going to encourage you to level up in your reading, right? Because that's how you're growing and, and level up in the people that you're around. Grow in your wisdom and knowledge and understanding of what you're doing in your job and what you're doing in life, right? Be an active participant in that. Don't be a couch potato thinking that you just absorb it. So on a scale of 10, how would you say you're doing in that area, right? That's your second number. Third number is the emotional number. And the fact of the matter is, right, you want to, you got to be in control of your emotions because things will happen. Emily talks about that. You want to be a great executive leader. You got to control your emotions. But at the same time, Emily also talks about in this book that, you know what? Uh, you also have to kind of tap into the emotions of the people around you. You can't just sit there and be cold hearted. You got to understand them. All right. You have to understand who they are because that's, that's they're going to bring in. And she's got all these stories about how people, you know, emotionally, right. We're all over the place, but that made an impact on her because they emotionally tapped into her space. It's kind of cool. Right. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you say you're doing in the emotional area? And then finally, there's the spiritual area. And, you know, when we talk about spiritual things, the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to connect with others. And, you know, we all have this desire to, to be, to understand and be understood. And we want to connect with each other on a heartfelt spiritual level because we're meant to connect. And it goes beyond the emotions. It goes beyond our intellect, goes beyond the physical. And, and also we live by faith. You know, the fact of the matter is you push your button in your car. You believed it was going to start. You sipped your cup of coffee this morning, believed it wasn't poisonous. You saw the walk sign on the crosswalk. You believed that if you walked across it, nobody was going to hit you with their car, right? Uh, you made plans for the future. You believe they're going to happen, right? That's all faith. It's all spiritual stuff, right? And and then what brings you back to centered when things are not going well for you, right? Is it, is it God? Is it meditation? Is it something else? And is it working? And if it's not, what do you need to do to change it? So those four areas like the air in the tires of your car. And you know what? If one tire is too low, what happens is the car veers one way or another. If it's, if, you know, more than one tire is too low, then what happens is it just, you know, harder to control the car, period. If all four tires, well, car, the car is doomed. So speaking of someone who's got her tires all to the right height, her name is Emily Stander. Uh, she spent more than 15 years in the business world. She is a C-suite executive and founder of Next Level Coaching. As an ICF certified coach, she guides clients towards a new perspectives that enable them to adapt and evolve as leaders. She combines her experience and proven insights with a keen ability to understand each client's unique personality situation. She has been a guest on this show before, and she is not going to be a stranger from here on out. And this is her book, Hacking Executive Leadership. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Emily Sander. Emily, welcome to Back to a New Direction. It's great to have you. Thank you so much, Coach Jay. You should be like the hype man for my book. You do such a good job announcing that. You just follow me around and do that everywhere. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I'll be your hype man. I'll, I'll just go and I'll, I'll, I'll hype it you out. Nothing else going on. It's all yeah, good. Yeah, if you're going to speak somewhere, just let me know and I will go. Hey, listen, you know, I'll take my six foot four or five frame and go, you know, this book, Hacking Leash, buy it. 
or I will kill you. I, that's that's what. will come down yeah, from the ceiling. Yeah, and we will just we will just kill you if you don't buy it. That's it. We just do that. We just wipe everybody out. That's yeah. what we'll do. Yeah, I, I know it's not appropriate. I don't care. Um, here we go. <laughs> uh, introduce in the introduction, Emily. You make a, an incredibly bold statement, and it's absolutely true because I believe it is true for me for reading this. And you say first sentence. Reading this book will change your life. Oh, well, Emily, I believe it's true. Tell us why you're so confident that you believe reading this book will change your life. I mean, think about a time when someone has said something and you're like, oh, opens up a whole new paradigm shift, right? You're, you're looking at the prism of life or your career or whatever area you're looking at before areas you mentioned, and you see something differently for the first time. And it opens up a whole new perspective. I think some of the frameworks I have in there unlock that for people. Mm. And so if you think about, okay, if I unlock this for someone and then they believe something about themselves that they didn't believe before, mm. and that allows them to take action they wouldn't have before, and that that uh, ripple effect throughout their whole life, that changes someone's life. If you change someone's belief, and I work in the business world, so if you change someone's career, that changes their life. So I think if you can unlock something, even if it's small, mm. talk about small increments, even if you do a little tap over here, their whole life trajectory has just changed. I love it. And I agree with you. I I, I didn't mean to put you on a spot like that. Well, yes, I did. Um, but it's really is life-changing. I, I found it to be very, very changing. Um, and this book is divided up into three uh, sections. The first part of uh, is called framework. And uh, what you talk about here is the framework is this provides a foundation for how you collect structure and filter information experiences. And chapter one is entitled failure. And you ask a fundamental question. I want to ask the audience to think about this and then you and I will dig into it. What do you think audience? What do you think of when you hear the word fail? I think that's a really important question that Emily asks here. And you go on to say, Emily, that some people let failure define them. Talk more about that. I mean, when most people hear failure, it's something to avoid, something to be ashamed of. It's something you don't want to admit to yourself or others. And for a lot of people, they slap that label on themselves. Hey, I wanted to go start that business and it failed. Or I made that decision in life and it did not go the way I wanted it to I failed at that. So we have all of these different events or labels that we throw on ourselves. And, you know, we can do that. And then we need to learn and grow, which I talk about in the book. We can talk about the failure loop. But if you just stop right there and you drown in your pools of pessimism in that moment, then you are letting that failure event define you. So that one single event define who you are. And those two things are very different, two completely different things. Yeah, and I think there's something that you say here that's really important. I, I've written about it, uh, even in my in my last book I wrote about it. And you talk about you will always feel fear. You will yeah. always feel fear. Fear, And I have said you have to sometimes do things afraid. And you, you kind of echoed that feeling here too. Talk about failure is only real failure if you stop. Yeah, I mean, so the failure loop is, is, is a chain of individual loops. And it's connected. And the chain goes up and to the right. So up and to the right is the direction of progress, is learning and growing the direction we want to go until the day we die. But you'll notice in one section of an individual loop, it goes back down into the left. 
So that's where it's like, oh, bleep, oh, oh no, something has gone terribly wrong and I've failed at that. And so right there you can stop and again, throw that label on yourself, feel sorry for yourself and just curl up in a little ball and, and stop and disengage with, with life or with your personal growth. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to take a look at that. Even if taking a look at that is painful, pull out the lessons, apply it next time. And then I've just propelled myself up the loop and I've gotten better. Now think about that process. If you did that over and over and over again for 10, 20, 30 years in your career, in your life, would that make a difference? Yeah. If you take that, if you take that to heart, you become a different person, right? So if you follow this framework of the failure loop, which redefines failure as we traditionally think about it, then that makes you a successful person. So, you know, there's a quote in the book and it's, I'm a successful person because I fail more times than you even try. Mm, Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting, uh, failure uh, and fear, uh, and they do go together quite frequently. Uh, I think what happens is we get so emotionally attached to the outcomes, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you know, you're going to talk about somewhere down the road in this book is that oftentimes what we do is we set a goal, we focus on that goal. And then what happens is we don't enjoy the process because we focus so heavily on the goal that what happens is it becomes a pass or fail grade when it's not pass or fail right? I mean, it's, it's not really a pass or fail grade. It's that, okay, we've learned something from this and we move on, right? We've, well, what you say, fail forward, which is, well, it's, it's, you know, you talk about a goal, right? And we all should have a general direction sure. of pointing ourselves toward, but it's also, it's more importantly, the person that you're becoming on that journey, mm-hmm. right? So, so the actions we take carve our character. So every action you take today, what time you get up, what you have for breakfast, what you say to your loved one, when you left for the day, all those things build our character. Mm. So you're you're actually actively building who you are by the actions you take. So by pursuing a goal or objective, one, make sure it's pointed in the right direction at something worthy of your talents. But then it's also the process that you you have to go through and you have to put in the time and effort and energy and failures and get up again to define who you are as a person. And I think you talk about fear. I mean, I, I used to fear fear. I mean, that's that's logical, right? I used to be scared and try to avoid every time I felt uncomfortable. And now it's not a overly pleasant feeling, but I, I kind of like it because it right. means I'm headed in the right direction. Right. Um, and so being on my growth edge where it's like, ooh, okay, that got my attention. I'm, I'm paying attention now. It's that cocktail of excitement and also fear. That's That's a signal to me that I'm headed in the right direction. Yeah. It's, it, I, I, um, I've heard it said it's the enjoyment of deliberate discomfort. Hmm. Yeah. That's right? a good one. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about looping back up because I did love your little, I love your little thing about the loops where, you know, you kind of yeah. going up in this line, you got this loop and you kind of go down this loop and then you got to kind of loop back up and then you go up and then you got another loop and you come go up. So let's talk about some strategies in t- to keep in mind to loop back up. One strategy you have is called practice, which is just seems so practical. <laughs> right but talk about practice and and why it's so right one way to look at failures by the bottom of the loop is to view it as a practice is what you say so talk about that 
Yeah, I mean, if you get it, if you think of that big picture. So people get myopic or micros microscopic and say, this is all that there is. And they take that single event and say, that's, that's all that there is. But if you widen the lens and you say, okay, let me look at this over a larger period of time. Well, oh, that was a key stepping stone in getting me to where I eventually go. And so you're, you're essentially practicing. So that character that you're building, that goal that you're working toward, you're practicing to get to that and you're refining yourself. And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it can be tough in places, but if you know the process and say, okay, that was a practice round. I got my rep in let me make that rep count, then you move forward in that in that way and you become a successful person and you achieve great things. All right, the next one was turn down the volume and you say when you're at the bottom part of the loop, remember that your internal experience is different from the external ones. Yes, so this was from personal experience and from people I've coached. I had a very noisy inner critic who would blare its nonsense over my like internal PA system. And that's all I could hear, right? It was like the only thing that it was consuming me and I was drowning in it. And so I had to really work on, hey, that's not real. That might be happening, but that's not a real voice. And so if you can turn down the volume on that, then you allow other things in and you can focus on more important and more positive and more helpful things. Good. All right. Next one. I like this one too. A little hypocritical, aren't we? <laughs> yes. So uh, I always say, think about your best friend. So someone you actually care about, you want what's best for them. And they came to you with something that they were going through where they failed or where they were scared. Um, what would you, what would you tell that person? Would you berate them? Would you say, oh my God, like, how stupid are you? Or like, right. geez, anyone could have seen that coming. No, you would probably say, hey, you know, life happens and you did, you did this well. And, you know, I'm really proud of you for this, this and this. And what do you have up next? All of those types of things. So if you were to do that to your best friend, but you wouldn't do it to yourself, you know, are, are we being a little, little hypocritical? Yeah, I have, I have said to clients, coaching clients, uh, when they start going down this, uh, trail of self-deprecation. Um, I said, would you say that to your f best friend? And they go, well, no, I wouldn't. I said, then why aren't you, you, why are you not your own best friend? Yeah. Right. Cause we should yeah. be our own best friend. If you wouldn't, should be. we should be right. Mm -hmm. So We're why with each other right, a right. long time? Yeah. I mean, it's easy. It's easier to, Hmm. I struggle with this because I was hard on myself for so uh, long, right? So yeah, like raise your hand if, if yeah. you've had that. But yeah. it's uh, you're with yourself all the time. And if you don't believe in yourself and you don't show up that way, then why should other people believe in you? Um, and, and the other realization I eventually got to is I was very self-critical. If I did one little thing, oh. quote unquote, wrong, like I misspoke in a meeting, in a team meeting. And like, I probably didn't misspeak. It was just me perceiving it that way, but I would ruminate on that over oh. and over and over again for like days, for days. And then I got to a point where I was like, Emily, if this made you better, if, if raking yourselves over the coals made you better, wouldn't you be perfect by now? Cause you've done so much of it, yet you're still right here. So there must be something to that logic, right? So something's gotta give. So that was a, that was a key realization for me. I, I understand it. Uh, if, if you are, if you are saying that you're the queen of self-perfectionism, then I'm the king. Because 
uh, I, I will, and I ruminate and I can, I can ruminate about, uh, think, oh, why did I say it that way? I, you know, I know it was a better way to say it or why'd you do that? God, you, you, and right. And it, and, and I have to stop myself and I have to go, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Right. And I have to remind and folks, I'm saying this to you too, because I, I can still do it from time to time. I have to remind myself what's in the past is in the past. I can't do anything to change about the past. I can do very little change of future, by the way. The only thing I got is today. And and by the way, today beating myself up today is not is, is just not on the agenda. But we we do we do have a problem with that. And so I understand it. And you know, folks, just be your own best friend. Don't don't say go ahead. I'd say is um laugh at yourself. Yeah. Laugh at yourself. It yeah. makes life easier. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You don't take yourself so seriously. Like, oh my gosh, I said that. That sounded weird in the meeting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a daily occurrence for me, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next, I love this one because this, we are, I think so many people are guilty of this and that is run your own race. Uh, avoid comparing yourself to others. This one's so good, Emily. Talk about it. Comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Right. So we're we're bombarded with this stuff in our world today. So it's hard. We have our phones, social right. media, TV, commercials, all this stuff. Saying, hey, you know, look at this person's car. Look at this person's car. Look at this person's plane. All these different things. So it's hard not to get sucked into that. But when when we do, we're essentially giving over our power to, to someone else. And so if you can just say, hey. Uh, I appreciate what those people bring to the table. I might use some of what they do for inspiration for myself if, if they're in my field of work or if they have an element of them that I want to aspire to. But really, it's it's my own race and kind of set your set your face and run your race and try to get better than you were yesterday. And that that goes back to the failure loop theme where if you keep getting better and better and better, it's hard to beat someone who doesn't give up. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's something that you just have to ingrain in who you are and it'll serve you well. That's awesome. Her name is Emily Sander. The book, Hacking Executive Leadership. Uh, uh, go from insecure, indecisive, and overloaded, if that sounds like you, and then go to confident, influential, and effective. Do you want to do that? Yeah. That's the book, Hacking Executive Leadership with Emily Sander. You're joining us here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, whether you're recovering from surgery, injury, Suffering everyday aches and pains, having difficulty performing activities of daily living, or maybe you're unable to perform the athletic activities you want. Maybe a professional athlete or, you know, you know, an elite athlete who's trying to get better at what they do. Listen, the elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will customize a treatment program just for you. So when you're ready for Epic Relief, Epic Recovery, Epic Results, don't look any further. Go to EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors for, for 39 years. Uh, they've been helping people all over the world, transition in life. And let's be honest, every place you ever moved has been a life transition. They understand that part of it. They help take the stress out of it. They've been doing it for 39 years, right? So wherever you may live, you know what? They know the best professionals wherever you're at. Start with them. They know how. To, they know who, who you, they, you need to connect. Just go to lindacraft.com. It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with uh, my friend, uh, author, uh, chief executive officer, chief of staff, uh, owner, founder. Oh, gosh, she's everything. She, she's she got this great book, Hacking Executive Leadership. It's absolutely fantastic. We just got started. We were just digging in. We were just digging into chapter one. 
um, giving people some suggestions on how they can loop back up. Um, and I'm going to jump over uh, here a little bit to chapter two to Swizzle because I think Swizzle is real important. And I think you think it's real important because I've never seen it in a book ever. <laughs> ever. Nobody's ever had a chapter entitled Swizzle. All right. So be the schnizzle and give us the swizzle. <laughs> be the schnizzle. Yes. So the reason you've never heard that word is because I made it up. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was talking to my team and we were running around like crazy one day and I said, you guys, swizzle the PowerPoint decks together. And by context, I meant take the previous PowerPoint decks, take the most appropriate slides and make a new one for the meeting we had that afternoon. But so that was the genesis of the word. I was like, just swizzle the decks together. But what the principle means is it's a way to be creatively resourceful. Mm. So if you're swizzling, you're being creatively resourceful and you're taking the best of something and applying it to something else. I'll give you an example. I was driving in my car and listening to a podcast and they were interviewing Floyd Mayweather, who is a champion boxer. I don't know anything about boxing. I didn't know who he was before that interview, but they were really interested in his training protocol and what he ate and his uh, you know, training staff. And they wanted to know what made him the best, what makes you the champion. And he was like, no, it's not my training. No, it's not my diet, but that's, that's pretty dialed in. He was like, you know what makes me the champion? My adaptability. I can adapt to any opponent, any round, and any punch better than anyone else, and that's what makes me the champion. And I was driving in my car, and I was like, oh, light bulb moment, holy cow. I'm not a boxer, but I can apply that to my world, which is business and leadership, and leaders have to be adaptable all the time, and the best leaders are some of the most adaptable. And so I took that concept, and I lifted and shifted it, or swizzled it over into my world and said, okay, let me look at how we're adapting to industry trends. Let me know how we're adapting to reorgs and adapting to people's needs. Am I adapting my communication style to this person who I know likes communication delivered this way and then switch it up when I'm delivering information to this other audience? So I took, I took uh, the adaptability concept from the Floyd Mayweather interview and swizzled that to my world, which is leadership. Uh, okay, I love it. Okay, first of all, I, I, I love it. Um, matter of fact, um, when I was, um, what I do with this book is I will, uh, I, I have the highlight it, and then what I'll do is I'll read it from, you know, I'll read it into the dictation on the notes I'm taking, certain things that I like that you do on this. Well, it would not take swizzle, it would say Switzerland. So I would, <laughs> I would, I would. So wouldn't, it just would not take swizzle. It, it, I had to write a swizzle in because it says, because like I have a, I had a little statement here. It said Switzerland does not involve impersonating anyone else. Um, and so, <laughs> but it's really swizzle is what it is. Um, Switzerland is my backup word. In reality, so. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, there, there is a piece, uh, Greg McKeon, I think is uh, that you, you his book. Um, and you talk about essentialism swizzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this really this really captured my attention. Talk to me. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so there's this concept called protect the asset, mm. and in Greg McCowan's book Essentialism, which is one of my favorite, he talks about protect the asset, and the asset is you. Mm. So you are the most important because in cases of leaders, our 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 body is the mechanism through which 
we express our leadership, right? Mm-hmm. And so protecting the asset. And there's this great swizzle concept where if you are working late at night, you have a lot, you have a big project and you're working overtime and you're like, all right, I could pull an all nighter and I could stay up for four more hours and burn the candle at both ends. And technically speaking, I'd be getting four more hours of work done, but you have to compare that to what if I went home, took my mind off work for a bit, rested, got some really good quality sleep, and then came back to the project the next morning. Well, okay, you you might be able to work on that the same period of time, but I bet you the quality of your work output in that second session is gonna be higher. Mm-hmm. And it's because you protected the asset, which is yourself, and so you're able to show up with a fresh brain and have fresh creative ideas and almost get more done in at least the same amount of time in four hours or a shorter amount of time and you get a better result. So protecting the asset and uh, using that example of, hey, I could stay later or I could come back with a fresh brain is uh, something I talk about in the book. Yeah, so we might as well go here because you've opened up the door, Counselor. To this so we might as well get that go here because you've got weight training swizzle which you kind of board which are borderlining talking about you know <laughs> maintenance volume maximum adaptive volume uh, uh you got maximum recovery volume and you so you're starting to already go over there so let's talk about you know weight training swizzle when it comes to leadership yes so that absolutely corresponds with the example i gave too so in in the gym so we're talking about like bodybuilding. So the goal is to, is to grow more muscle. Um, there's these different thresholds, these different principles that top bodybuilders pay attention to. And so there's like the minimum effective value, which is what it sounds like, the minimum you can do to get any effect. There's the maximum recoverable volume. That is the absolute max you can do and be able to recover from and work the next day. So there's the max. And then there's the, the most effective point, the most effective volume, and that's in between the two. And so really what we're talking about when we're saying staying up late is you can burn yourself past your maximum recoverable volume, but by definition, you're not able to recover the next day. So what you want to do is keep yourself in the sweet spot and say, okay, I want to be a little bit above my minimum effective volume, but I don't want to be close to burning myself out and not being able to recover. So I want to be at my, at my most effective volume, that midpoint. So keeping yourself there and using that concept in a lot of different areas has helped me just say, okay, I, I could step on the gas right now. And part of me is tempted to do that, but let me, let me be smart and stay in the game and use the, use the most effective volume for whatever I'm doing. I was a personal trainer for a while. Uh, you, when I was young, much when I was really, really young, I was in my it was in my early 20s, I think, when I was doing it. And About 10 years. Yeah, yeah, don't I wish that was true. Um, and, you know, I remember telling people that, you know, they would go, can you train me, can you train more, can, can, can we train more, train more? And I'm like going, no, because there is a diminishing amount of return on right. the amount of training that you do. And what I found so fabulous about the weight training swizzle that you talk about is that no one would train 16 hours a day. No one. No one in their right mind would train 16 hours a day. But we're okay working 16 hours a day thinking that somehow we're getting better. 
And if you think about it, if you're if you're working out for 16 hours a day, you're injuring yourself. You've gone past the point of, oh, I'm getting better. I'm pushing myself. You're like injuring your body at that point. So in the same way in the office, you know, your, your brain's a muscle, your whole body is in it. It's, it's, are you taking care of that? And there's a point where like, yes, you need to push yourself. And there might be points where you have a special project and for like a week or so you gotta, you gotta work extra, extra hours, but working 16 hours a day ongoing, yeah. not sustainable. No, it's not. And I get it. There are days when I feel good and I can work out longer. And push myself harder, you know, or because I feel like I need to and I, and I, I can do that, but I can't sustain that. Yeah. It's not sustainable. Um, I love that analogy though. I have the weight, the weight training swizzle. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Uh, well, all of it's awesome, but it's that one really got me. Well, thank you. One more th- thing I'll throw in there is in the weight training world, there's kind of these two concepts. There's like, you can be very uh, program driven, so you stick to your program. So like a lot of trainers will work, will start with that minimum effective volume. So their first workouts will be so easy. It's like, that was a workout. And they'll incrementally work their way up to the effective volume and then up to the maximum recoverable volume. Some people do intuitive training. So kind of like what you said, they go in there and say, how am I feeling today? And they do kind of their, their uh, most effective volume for that day. So that's just another thing to throw out there. If you're like, Hey, I like a program. I like a protocol. Let me run that process. Cool. If you're like, Hey, let me be more intuitive and instinctive with it. Then that works. Yeah, no, I, both can be really, really effective. I, I always tell people, you know, there, there came a point in time in my training, uh, physical training that what happened was I, I, I knew I started listening to my body, what my body could and couldn't do. And I knew all the exercises. So I was no longer learning exercises at that point. And so then it was like, okay, well, where can my body go? And I allow myself to do, I can do these set of exercises. If I had an injury, I go, okay, I can't do this particular exercise, but I knew other exercises I could do. I think the same thing is true in business as well, um, that you have to learn to how to adapt to that. And some people are better programmed. And some people are better going, okay, I can kind of go with the flow on this, but I kind of know within my, you know, within my uh, fence where I can go and how far those boundaries are. And, and so I, I love that analogy. I just think it's perfect. I, I, I love it. I really do. Well, I could go on and on. So you, you let me know if we need to move on. But you, I, yeah. my best workout days were when I went into the gym and it was basically like freestyle. So I was like, you yeah. know what? Um, I didn't sleep that great. So I'm not going to go totally crazy and, and try to lift the gym. Um, but let me do my favorite workouts for each yeah. like main muscle group, right? Let me go around and do that. Yeah. And similar to you, I wasn't a trainer, but I, I was a gym rat. And so I knew all the machines. I knew the level of effort. I knew all those things. So it was almost like an art form. And like, it was fun to put a program together on the fly. Yeah. And I do so much of that in the business world, right? So I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur now. And it's like, all right, here's the kind of day I have, how do I optimize it? And it's right. different each day, depending on what types of calls I have, what types of activities and projects, and also how I'm feeling. So I absolutely use that that principle in business today. Well, and you and I are both coaches. I mean, we, yeah. we deal with clients. We we don't necessarily know what we're going to get when we, when we do a client consultation. So the, oh, no. there has to be some flexibility in what the workout's going to be, you know, Yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, you're, I mean, like that adaptability theme, again, I'm yeah. adapting all day long. So it's literally, you know, I think, and it might be on the fly. I have my set calls today. Oh, one got canceled. 
or oh one got done earlier one right. went late i have to adapt that so yeah yeah it's uh those those client calls those intro ones are are fantastic it's like opening a present at christmas you don't know what it's going to be it could <laughs> right. be amazing it could right. be like oh this is different right so, yeah it's so true that's what it is it is let's talk about the anti-swizzles i thought this was really good too because you know you know, okay, we can borrow things from other people. We can, you know, you know, look at some small swizzles and bigger swizzles and weight room swizzles. But the anti-swizzle is really important too, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, which one were you looking at Well, you know, at not paying, atten- paying attention to things that we shouldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, again, we get distracted in life and we are force-fed almost in our media things that just don't serve us, that are just garbage for our brain right. and so you gotta be deliberate about what type of things you're letting in mm-hmm. so it's like input the input will create the output right so it's like what kind of outcomes do you want and what type of person do you want to be well if you're sitting on netflix for 16 hours a day sitting on the couch watching netflix and consuming garbage for your brain then it's probably not going to be doing a lot of creative problem solving or or inventing or engaging with people in a certain way. And so it's it's making sure that, okay, I could look at social media for like half an hour if that's useful to me or if that's just a way to decompress, but am, am I in control of it or is it in control of me? Mm-hmm. And so making sure you have those different boundaries and different markers up. So like I try to optimize my day where from the moment I wake up, I'm immersed in positive thinking. I'm immersed in positive books and things that I look at on TV and interactions that I have. And so just making sure that you're being deliberate in that way is uh, is important as well. I, I, again, we're, you and I are in so it's such alignment here. All right. So chapter three, contact lens. Yes. Uh, what a great, what a great analogy, by the way, beliefs, lenses are beliefs. Go, go run with it. Yeah. So everyone has a belief set. So if you're listening right now and you're a human and you're awake, you have a belief set and, and you might not know it because it's like a contact lens, which is right on your eyeball, but everything you see, everything you're taking in, all the experiences of the world are through that lens are through the beliefs and values that you have. And so it serves you well to take a look at that lens and say, Hmm, what is the belief set I have on right now? Is that serving me? Is that the one I want? Oh, are there some hidden beliefs from childhood where it's like, okay, I was kind of given a value set from my parents, from my teachers, from my community. And some of those make sense today and I want to keep them, but oh, some of them do not. And they are not serving me well. I want to discard those and build a new one. And so taking inventory of your belief set is a great exercise for anyone to do at any point because it's kind of an ongoing ongoing process, um, but understanding how powerful it is. So a contact lens, like you can't, you can't see around it. You can't not see through it. It's that close to you. And uh, contact lenses are meant so you kind of forget about them. Mm. In the same way, we kind of forget about our belief set. They're just, they're just on autopilot. They're just on our eyeball. And so um, I think, I think I love that one because I've been in so many team meetings where the same events happen, the same dialogue goes on, but yet you get 12 different accounts of that meeting. And it's like, oh, interesting. Okay, you, you must have a certain set of experiences or biases that 
you're bringing to the table where I saw that very differently. So it's just something to, to really be aware of. I love, I love that. Uh, her name is Emily Sander. The book is entitled Hacking Executive Leadership. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, uh, go from insecure and decisive and overloaded to confident, influential, and effective. I'm going to tell you what, folks. Um, stay tuned because when we come back, we are going to talk about writing your own playbook. Ooh. Yeah, you're listening to her here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, Epic Physical Therapy, my physical therapist. I think they should be yours too, by the way. Um, You know what? Here's the deal. Uh, They offer the most advanced, top-of-the-line equipment, including the Alter-G Anti-Gravity Treadmill, the Norotech Compression Sleeves, the Game Ready, my favorite. That's just a few. They're trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available, uh, including things like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping. That's just a few. Listen, when you're ready for your epic relief, epic recovery, epic results, do not look any further. Go to Epic pt.com it's e-p-i-c-p-t.com and linda craft team realtors 39 years known as the legends of customer service and i'm gonna tell you something right now they are they're hiring so if you are looking for a team uh, in the research triangle park and you want to be part of a team that is constantly in the midst of growth they like to say they're on the bleeding edge of technology if you if that's interesting to you and if you want a place where you don't have to worry about desk fees you don't have to worry about being part of some sort of larger conglomerate where you have to pay some other fees. You know what? You don't have to do that there. Just check out lindacraftteam.com. Just go to lindacraft.com and look. And you know what? You can click on an area that says, you know what? I want to find out more information about the team. And you know what? Join right there. So you know what? Go to lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on A New Direction with my friend, uh, Emily uh, Sander, her book, it's so fun, Hacking Executive Leadership. It's its just such a blast. I just love this book. Um, we just we just don't have enough time to get through all of it, and, and it's, a, it's a shame uh, because it's so good. You need to get yourself a copy. It is available Amazon stores. Emily, did you did you do an Audible for this yet? It is an Audible, yes. It so is I Audible. didn't narrate that one. I narrated my, my chief of staff one. But yes, there's an Audible version. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who are a fan of Audible, by the way, uh, if you if you go to, uh, I think it's if you go to audible.com forward slash A-N-D, you can get a discount uh, and uh, I think even a free book, um, A-N-D, which stands for New Direction. You can get yourself a free Audible if you're not joined. So um, you can read that on the blog post of how to click on that and get yourself a free, um, I guess, free read, I think is what it is or something like that. So uh, Emily, let's talk about Chapter 4 Playbook. Uh, and as a former collegiate football player and uh, played a little after, uh, this was, of course, one of my favorite uh, sections in the book, naturally. And um, so we've got here 20 short potential play calls in the playbook. And so are you you ready to go attack some of these? Give me your favorites, yeah, because 20 is a lot. So give me your Yeah, me your yeah we are not going to make it through 20. Uh, okay, so I love the first one was the three circles. Uh, yes. The event, the response, and the outcome. So talk to talk us through that because I think yeah. that one's really powerful. People love that one. Okay, yeah. So three circles. So you've got three circles in a math equation. So circle one equals circle one plus circle two equals circle three. Mm-hmm. Circle one is your external event. So something happens and you have to deal with it. That's circle one. You actually use the equation by going to circle three and saying, all right, this just happened. What is my desired outcome? What do I want to have happen here? And then working from circle three, you kind of step back and reverse engineer 
into circle two, which is your action and what you say and what you do, what you don't say and what you don't do to give yourself the highest likelihood to get to circle three. So there's some, some key components about three circles, which is one, you have to define your outcome. Like, where do you want to go? A lot of people just skip that step and they're flailing in life and they just kind of have knee-jerk emotional reactions to things. But if you really stop and think, okay, hold on, what do I want to have happen here? That's a great first step. The second key component to that equation is in circle two, sometimes you got to do what you don't feel like doing. So it's like, mm, I feel like doing this thing, but all right, to be a good leader and to get myself to circle three and what really matters, I'm going to do this. So I can give you some examples if, if that helps, but sure. let me know. All right. So this is, this may or may not be from real life. I may have changed the names to protect the innocent, but let's say someone is leading a team meeting and they're getting settled in and they're opening the meeting and let's call him Joe starts to mutter stuff and starts to complain. And then he gets really worked up and he starts shouting like, this is a horrible meeting and no one cares about my project. And this is, this is garbage. Okay. That is circle one. That's your external event. All right. Joe has blown up in this meeting. He's derailing everyone. This is a distraction. All right. What do I want to do? Circle three. Um, I want to get Joe calmed down and I want to get the meeting back on track. That's my desired outcome. All right, so what do I have to do? And what do I have to say to make that happen? So in this case, it could be something like acknowledging Joe. Hey, Joe, I hear that you're really upset and that project is really important. I actually have that on the agenda for the back half of this meeting. And I wanna get everyone caught up to speed on this before we start talking about it. So we're gonna start at the beginning and then we'll get to your portion in the second half of the meeting. So that's it's a quick example of how three circles could work. But I love notice that. in the middle, you might not feel like being that polite to Joe. You might be like, buddy, we've talked about this 12 freaking times. Like, do you have to do this now? But instead you say, okay, what is what am I actually trying to get to? And you do something else instead. Um, I, I had I, uh, I love that. I used that example and someone said, Emily. Is there like a secret circle four where you can take Joe out on the hall and punch him in the face? <laughs> uh, no, three circles does not condone violence. But I do give you credit for being creative because that was a creative solution. Circle four, the hidden circle. <laughs> we get to drops through. We four. get to punch Joe in the face on circle four, the hidden right. circle. I love that. Uh, let's go to play. Here's a second play I like, uh, really like, called Leveling Up. Continuously grow and develop your skills. Reinvent, reinvest in progress. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, you are um, an example of this. So always growing, always learning. You're reading a book every week. And I think you need to kind of put some inertia behind this, right? So you're like, ah, I learned some stuff, you know. I learned what the Kardashians are up to. I learned, I learned stuff. Well, you need to put a little bit more of a plan together. So what, what areas are interesting to you? What areas do you want to excel in and then put a little plan behind that? So um, make sure that you're always on your growth edge, which is something we talked about earlier as well. So push yourself to that point where you feel a little bit uncomfortable and be like, yes, I'm in the right spot there. So always be growing and learning. All right, here's the next play. Do it for you. Ooh, good one. Okay. So do it for you. Um, 
when we have that voice in our head we talked about earlier, right? It's interesting to ask whose voice that is. So a lot of times, well, I'm doing this in life because everyone knows you should do that. Or, you know, well, my parents, you know, raised me this way or society wants this for me. And we have a lot of those competing voices. And sometimes it's like, all right, hold on, stop. Who am I doing this for? Is this for me? Is this my voice? Is this what I want to do? And sometimes you have to do things because it's what you want to do and what you feel compelled or passionate to do. It's a reminder not to be defined by all those other voices as loud and as tempting as they might be. Mm, good. I love it. Okay, here comes the next play. And I love this one. Love the process. Ooh, yes. Yeah, so we talked about outcomes before. We talked about skipping over the journey, which to me is like going through life. You know, when you drive somewhere and you get there safely, but you kind of have that sensation of like, wait, how did I get here? You don't really remember it. You can go through life like that. Mm. You can go through decades and decades of your life through that, but it is enjoying the process and the journey. It's also building your goals toward process goals instead of outcome goals. Mm. So instead of, uh, you know, I want, I want this amount of money or I want this tangible thing, it might be, okay, that's a worthy goal and you should be going after that, but who do you need to become in order to do those things? Mm. And what's the process to build yourself up in that direction and have those as your goals along the way, have the process goals as your main focus. Yeah, I I think what I think one of the things that first came to mind when I read this is oftentimes we're so focused on the destination we forget to enjoy the journey. Yeah. And there is something to be enjoyed about the journey. <clears throat> you know, cuz I'm not where I want to be yet. But boy, I sure do love the journey that I'm on. Yeah. You know, I love the progress that I'm making. I love this process is it is it always fun uh you know like is it always just good and happy no but it's the challenges that make it fun along the way you know it's reinterpreting that you know yeah, you say it somewhere in the book about you have to reinterpret you re reframe how you see the difficulties and the challenges you know and um and i think that helps enjoy that process so much more yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I, I would say like relatively recently in my life, I've been to a point where I can say I'm content with where I am. I'm very happy and proud and content with where I am. And I'm still driven and ambitious toward the next thing. But before it was like grasping and hustling for my self-worth. Like I have to attain that next thing in order to prove that I'm okay. And now it's been like, no, I'm whole and complete. Yeah. Just, just like I am. I'm worthy just like I am. And yet I still want to do these things and go serve in these ways. And so I think that that is a great place to be operating from. Well, you talk about this in, in the book and I'll have to find it, but you know, I, again, I'm reminded of, we often get so caught up into human doings, but we're really human beings. And, and yeah, I mean, we can go do a lot. We have to do lists and we go do this and this and this and this errands mm -hmm. and check it off. Um, what do I need to do today is a common refrain, right? right? But how do I need to be today? Can I just be yeah. at all? Just I'm just going to be today. Who am I going to be today? Yeah. Who am I going to yeah. be? Yeah. Who am I going to be today? And really like sink into that and let that yeah. settle. 
Yeah. You talked about prayer, meditation, like that's a time to really connect with that part of it, which is so essential. If you get up and you zoom out to all the to do's in your day, and that's all you pay attention to, you're missing a huge part of your life. You're deflating one of your four tires on your car. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I love these plays. Uh, I, I'm going to throw one more at you. It's, it's sign meaning. And I just love the fact that you use, that we all have a big label gun in our hand, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So as we go through life, we have got the contact lenses, which is which are belief sets. And then we also have a label gun and we can say, okay, I'm going to make this thing mean this. Oh, it means I'm a horrible person. It means I'm stupid. It means I can never get it right. That's that's one meaning or it can be like, oh, my gosh, like that's so awesome. I put myself out there. I learned something new. I got to meet new people and I know how to get better for next time. Mm. That's also a meaning. So it's, it's understanding that you actually have a lot of control, a lot of agency over assigning meaning in your life. And people say, oh, life happens to them. Or like, I, I couldn't control this. Where maybe you couldn't control the event. That's, that's certainly the case sometimes. But you always have 100% control of what it means mm. and what you make it mean. And so... Be empowered by that because no one can take that away from you. You can give it away, but no one can take that from you. So you get to go around all day throughout your whole whole day, week, years, life, and you get to assign the meaning of, of events and things that happen. I love it. Emily, we've done an hour. It goes so fast. Uh, we, 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 we didn't even get to team. <laughs> but there is a whole section here, by the way, on teams uh, and uh your, chapter six is your team, um, and it, chapter seven is communication, practical versus tactile. Chapter eight, uh, I'm just telling you, the book is fantastic. Emily, uh, tell people how they can get a hold of you uh, if they want more information, or if they'd like to hire you to speak, if they need you as a coach. Uh, what's the best way for them to find you? Uh, my website is nextlevel.coach. So nextlevel is all one word.coach. And you can find information on my two books, um, on some free resources there. You can reach out to me directly there. And then I also have a podcast called Leveraging Leadership. And so if you're interested in leadership and frameworks, you can check that out. I am trying to be cool like Coach Jay and follow in his, his esteemed footsteps. But uh, Leveraging Leadership and nextlevel.coach are the places to go. That is awesome. Stay with me. Uh, folks, it's a show you know I say to you every week, and that's this, right? You have you control three things, your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency. Uh, even Emily talked about that. The fact of the matter is you can label whatever you want to label, but you're in control of that attitude. I know bad things can happen to you. I know that things can come at you uh, in circle one, but you know what? When you get to circle you, it's all about you and your attitude and what you can control. And, and then the other thing is you know your effort is about your excellence. You choose that. How excellent are you going to be today? Right? And then finally, resiliency. You know what? We all get knocked down. You know, we all have a plan until we get punched in the mouth. <laughs> I didn't say that. Right? But the truth is, we do. It's getting back up. And while people can give you a helping hand, you choose whether you're going to grab that hand to get back up again. Choose all three. I know you can.
I'll be back next week with another great guest, another great book. It's going to be another great show. As I say to you all over the world, you had a lot of choices. You chose us. I thank you for that. Give us a positive thumbs up on uh, YouTube, where you may be watching. Uh, Write us a positive review on your favorite platform that you listen on podcast. Tell the radio stations that you've been listening to. Man, I really love the show. If you're watching us on DVTV, tell them, hey, we really love A New Direction. As I say to you all over the world, you know what that is. Ciao. Things are gonna change. You can find the strength to go a different way. Yeah. The time has come. Your dreams will take you places you have never been before. Find your passion, find your strength.